0: Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God, we encounter his presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Hey, what is up, church family? Hey, Erica, congratulations to you. We are so pumped for you and so excited for this journey. We love you. We got your back, girl. Hey, City Life Church, welcome to our morning service. We are two weeks away from finally being able to meet in person. Now, let me just remind you all that Uh, uh, our church is much more than just those who can come and assemble here in person. Our church now is global. We've gone viral, y'all. So we want to welcome all of you watching from around the world. Roel and Veronica in the Philippines right now. Shout out to you. Thank you for tuning in. Our friends in Texas, thank you for tuning in right now. And uh, even some of you who are on the road trip, shout out, Nicole, I see you. Uh, You know, some people are road tripping, other people are just tripping, you feel me? (laughs) And uh, we just want to welcome you to our experience today. God is so good. Happy spring, everyone, because today, I guess, is the first day of spring. And I'm just excited. The sun is shining bright here in San Francisco. It's a good day. Hey, I'm excited today to have my daughter, Erica, and some of her friends from Portland Bible College hanging out with us in San Francisco. Thank you for preaching with the preacher today. Today, we're going to continue our series. We've been in the series called Complete, and we've been exploring what it means to be not just a believer, but growing from a believer to a disciple. And we've had different ones of our pastors preach. Just as a very brief recap, uh, first week we talked about a disciple is someone who is passionately committed to Jesus. And then we said a disciple has extraordinary love for people. Then we said a disciple has a heart of a servant. Another quality or characteristic of a disciple is a disciple is sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And then a disciple is governed by the authority of God's word. And last week, Pastor Elena brought the beef. She brought the word. She talked about a disciple who lives morally pure. And we're talking about these 10 different characteristics or quality. What defines a disciple? Now, there's a lot of people that go to church. And just because you're in church, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily a disciple. You might believe in Jesus, but you know what? Even demons, even evil spirits, they believe Jesus. They know who he is. And the call to us all is not just to be believers, not just to be quote-unquote Christians, but we're called to be disciples. But unfortunately, in our culture today, Many of us, if not most of us, man, we like to t- take the chill route and they're like, man, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm saved. I'm born again. Woohoo! I'm good. But the reality is that this this life we're called to be disciples of Jesus. And that's why we've been exploring this not only on Sunday mornings, but through all of our care groups. And, you know, so many shout out to all of our care group leaders. You guys are our heroes. Let's give it up to all of our care group leaders right now. As a matter of fact. In your your chat box, in the comments, let us know who is your care group leader. Tell us, tell us their name, who are the best care group leaders here at City Life Church. But through our care groups, we've been reading this book together, 10 qualities from growing from a believer to a disciple by Dennis Rousey, and it's been phenomenal. Now, I got to be brutally honest with you, uh, even though I've been pastoring for many, many years, I've been... um, I've had my toes stepped on during this season. I've had some things that the Holy Spirit has reminded me of and brought to my attention, and even a few new things that I had never heard in that way before. So the pain is real, you all. So if you haven't been experiencing pain through this journey, (laughs) I, I don't know what to say, except like, man, we gotta like dig in deeper. Why? Because we are a work in progress. Erica, you know that I don't have any tattoos. We've talked about this before. Family conversations. If I were to get some ink on my body, it would probably say something like under construction. That's what I would put because it's a work in progress and uh, we're all on this journey of faith and we're growing and we are all under construction. It's a work in progress. Amen, somebody. And uh, so today we're going to continue and I'm going to double down. Today I'm going to talk about two more qualities. Next Sunday we'll wrap up the entire series with two more because we're going to give you 10 qualities that are significant. They are the telltale signs whether a person is a believer or if they are all in, if they are disciples. Now, let me encourage you. If you've screwed up before, if you've made mistakes, there's a lot of grace for you and there's a lot of grace for me because we all stumble, we all fall, you know, on our, on our faces from time to time. The Bible says that the righteous fall many times, but they get back up. So if we make mistakes, there's a forgiving God who comes after us and he picks us back up. So there's hope for all of us. Amen, somebody. Today, here's quality number one I want to just throw out to you right here. A disciple is evangelistically bold. (laughs) Now, research would tell us here in America that the average Christian has never led anyone else to Jesus. On average, most Christians have never led someone else. They've never introduced a friend to their best friend, Jesus. So they go to church, they sing songs, they throw up their hands and they worship God, but most Christians have never led someone to Jesus. Now, um, let me ask you this crazy question: When was the last time you led someone to Jesus? You're like, well, Pastor Keys did it for me. Like the other day we were like at an outreach and he led someone, so we kind of like it was a half a sack, you know? It was like we shared the salvation. But when was the last time that you personally were invested and you helped someone? Like now now don't trip right now. Some of you guys are like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just going to tune out, going to go watch some Netflix right now because I hate it when they talk about them crazy people standing at the corner of Market and 6th Street and telling people repent because you're going to hell." Now, we're not going to do that today. But I am reminded, a couple of years back, I was hanging with my boy Hoff and uh, Improv Hav. If you're watching, man, love you. We were actually walking down 5th Street in Soma, and we're about to to cross Folsom Street, and we had to cross both 5th and Folsom Street, and right in the middle of the two intersections right there, the two streets, there's this dude, and he's got a megaphone, and I look at my boy Hav. I look up to him. I've always looked up to him, literally, you know what I'm saying, and I'm like, I'm watching him. He's watching me, and we cross, and now we're standing right next to this cat, and with the megaphone, he's like, Repent, you sinners. And he calls out some dude on the other side of the street, you have hatred towards your father. (laughs) And I'm just praying, oh God, I hope he doesn't look at us and start rebuking us. And lo and behold, just as we're about ready to cross the street, he looks at me and says, What are you looking at, Mother Effer? I'm like, Hav, is he talking to you like that? Like, would you let him say something like that? I'm like, what? And Hav and I are like, just startle. Just keep walking. He says, keep walking, PJJ. Keep walking. Um, What kind of evangelism is that? That's not bold evangelism. That's stupid evangelism. That ain't no evangelism. Because last, last time I checked, the gospel means good news. This dude felt like he needed to blast people. And warn them of hell and all these terrible things. That is not evangelism. And man, I was tempted to go back to him and say, uh, Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Have you ever led anyone to Jesus? Because whatever you're selling, people ain't buying. That's not the kind of evangelism that we're talking about today. That's not bold evangelism, all right? Let me bring you to a passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 9, because I want to shape this message and help you understand that a bold uh, evangelism means a lifestyle of evangelism. It's not an outreach per se, though God can use outreaches. I've been to many of them. I've put on many outreaches, but evangelism is not something that you do. It's kind of like who you are, and we're going to explore what that means. Matthew chapter 9, it says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew, he got up and he followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, hashtag haters are going to hate. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Such a powerful, like, mic drop right there, Jesus. You are the man. That was phenomenal. Why was Jesus doing this? He and just just Jesus is brilliant by the way. When he recruited his 12 disciples, they were like a little bit of everything. Different backgrounds, some of them rooted for the raiders, I'm sure. You know, they different different people. And even this tax co- tax collector in their culture, if you work for the IRS then Maybe it's kind of the same now. I'm not sure. But back then, like, bro, you are a you were hated by your community. Why? Because you would collect taxes, not just for your own leaders, but for the Roman Empire. So you, you had betrayed your own people. And these tax collectors oftentimes would rip people off. So they were hated by their own people. And Jesus says, hey, hey, Matt, come on, bro. Just come and follow us, man. And could you imagine Peter and John are like, oh, man, no one told me about this like commitment now. Now we got this hater joined. And the next thing you know, Matthew is inviting them to his house. And you know the the boy is rolling in some cheese because he's a tax collector. He's been ripping people off for a while. So all of a sudden, he's having some great food. And he invites all of his friends, tax collectors as well, and others that in their culture were just a reproach, as the Pharisees would call them, the scum of the earth. And the disciples, they're like, hey, the food's amazing, right? They're hanging out. And the, the religious leaders, they start they start asking, why is Jesus hanging out with these people? Doesn't he understand that they are just sinners like that? And shouldn't that say something to us? Oftentimes, uh, us Christians, we, we tend to isolate ourselves. Now, praise God for church. Praise God that we get to be a part, a, a, a part of an online community. Praise God that we get to be a part of our care groups and all that. Praise God that we're part of family. But if we only spend time with family, how can we possibly be an influence to those that don't don't know Jesus quite yet? And, and there's a movie many years ago. And, and, and I forget because I, I I feel convicted watching watching. It. It's like oh, I can't even watch this whole thing. But there was like this boy that was being raised in a bubble. I think it's called the bubble boy. I forget the name of the movie. It's like not recommended for parents, not godly, none of that. But this kid was being homeschooled and literally growing in this bubble. Why? Because they're trying. The parents are trying to keep the big bad world away from this child. Listen, the Bible says that we are in this world and we're not of this world, but we're still in this world. And if we're in this world, that means we're called to be a light, to be salt, to bring flavor. And it's not that we lose our flavor when we hang out with those that know don't Jesus. Just because they talk a certain way, maybe they use some vocabulary that your mama wouldn't be proud of. It doesn't mean that you have to partake in that, but you can still befriend them. Jesus, that's how he did it. He hung out in places that religious people would never hang out at. Why? Because he came to seek and save the lost. And that is still our mission today. Jesus, the Bible says, he was a friend of sinners. Jesus, he was with sinners. He, just, he didn't just talk to sinners or preach to sinners or do outreaches for sinners. He was with sinners. Why? Because Jesus loved sinners and he continues to love sinners today. It's unfortunate because we watch social media We watch the news and we watch what people publish and what people post. And you would think many times that Christians don't love people around them. When it says for God, so love the world. And when we, when, when preachers and church leaders and Christians and folks begin to talk about, Hey, we're called to love God and love people, their actions don't back up their words many times, but Jesus always backed up his words, his actions spoke louder perhaps than even his words. Jesus is the model for us. Here's the big idea then for today. The big idea is very simple. Evangelism is not just an outreach. It's a lifestyle. And it's fueled from a heart of love. Why? Because God has greatly forgiven us. Therefore, we forgive much. God has greatly loved us. Therefore, we love much. We've been forgiven. We were disqualified. We were bankrupt because of our sins. But God in his mercy came and rescued us. And then it is our mission. It is our privilege and it's our responsibility to continue to bring the love of God everywhere we go. Now, don't get me wrong, because the next quality in a few moments, when I talk about the next one, it talks about how we should engage in faith community. So it's not like you have a a foot in the world, so to speak, and then another one in church. No, not at all. But you need to be present at all times. Everywhere you go, you bring kingdom. You bring church. Church is not a destination. It's who you are. You are church. So rather than necessarily bringing people to church, we have the privilege of bringing church to people at your workplace, in your community, in your home, in your neighborhood, wherever you go, you are church. And it's a lifestyle. People aren't so impressed with the words we say. They watch our actions. The words are important in the book that we're all exploring together as, as a church family, this season, the author gives us three areas of boldness. When we talk about this, this, You know evangelistically bold three areas very simply number one we're to be those who are expressing bold love what is bold love it's not just randomly coming to a random stranger hey will you marry me that that's that is trippy and then no, they're gonna be you're 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 messed up they might start praying for you actually that's not the kind of love that we're talking about it's about learning to love people in spite of their lifestyles in spite of their political preferences In spite of their differences altogether, we can still love people. And it's not just agreeing to disagree, but you can actually love someone that is different than you. And that's the great... Now, love, by the way, is not an emotion. You've heard this before. If you've been around for a minute, you know love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's always a choice. It's a conviction. We choose to love people. If you're in a relationship, perhaps you're married. You realize that love sometimes you may not feel like loving your spouse but you choose to do so if you want to continue breathing. (laughs) Love is a choice, and we don't have to wait to feel love for others. We choose to love you. Start the day early in the morning, and you should pray, God, thank you for loving me. God, today, I I surrender fully to you. As Pastor David was preaching a few weeks ago, Holy Spirit, I surrender and submit to you. Give me your love for others, and as you're getting dressed, as you're as you're doing whatever you got to do, I was going to say, as you're fixing your hair, but some of us don't have our hair. As you're putting on your hat, say, God, give me your love for people. And you choose and you pivot and you, and you posture yourself from the beginning of your day to choose. And you know what? Some, someone's going to irk you. Someone's going to get under your skin. But maybe you've been prayed up already and a disciple chooses to love boldly. It's bold love. The key is asking God for that help. The second thought would be this It's bold influence. What does that mean? It's about learning to live a life that others are actually interested in. (laughs) Think about that. I love that thought. You're trying to lead someone to Jesus and they look at your life and they look at your track record. They look at what you do or perhaps what you don't do and they go, nah, that's all right. I'll take a pass this time. Not interested. What is it that you're offering that would actually intrigue them, that they would actually want to follow whoever it is that you're following? So influence. Now, it's amazing how oftentimes we shoot ourselves on the foot because we use our social media platforms and we we say things. That oftentimes we wouldn't have the courage to say in person, but we're like, you know what, I'm going to take a stance for something. Hashtag this. And I think that it is appropriate for us to stand for justice, to stand against injustice, to be a voice. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. But oftentimes we we actually jeopardize our voice and our influence because of some dumb things that we choose to say that are just mm, immaterial. It's funny how so many of us, and I won't tell you which one of my kids, but he's the youngest one in our family. He's like, Dad, I've got like, I don't know how many hundreds of views on my TikTok. This like this one video that I posted. I'm like, wow. And it's like to him and like every few moments he kept telling me, Dad, I got 17 more views. If you haven't found Ethan Wilkins on TikTok yet, go ahead and find him and watch his views or watch his videos. uh, But he was just so excited. Why? He says, because, Dad, I'm going to influence people. I'm like, prophesy this, son. I don't care if it's through TikTok, through whatever. Preach the good news. Just don't do something stupid. (laughs) And uh, oftentimes we actually look at these other platforms and we look at these platforms of influence, and we settle for that. Your life is a platform. Your life is a pulpit. What you say and how you live, people are watching. When people come late to work, that's one of my pet peeves. Like, man, punctuality, it's important. When people are late, it's disrespectful. If I have an appointment with you and you show up 10 minutes late, I love you. If it happens a second time, I still love you, but I'm already forgiving you. It's something about, Hey, we, we prefer one another. We honor one another. We show respect your influence. What are you doing to either build your influence or diminish it? Another example that the the writer gives and, uh, and that would be this bold service, bold service. It's about learning to find ways to serve people, which will open up their heart to the gospel action serving people. And this is much more than just an outreach. When you, when you go out of your way to prefer others, when you care about them and you care about their genuine needs. I remember <laughs> years ago, I took a, a team of, of interns to Mexico and I worked with this dealer that, that had like these, these shoes and, and he'd get like these, 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 these shoes for a significant, deep, deep discount. So we were able to buy several thousand pairs of shoes to go and bless a bunch of kids down in Mexico, out in the mountains somewhere. And man, when the shoes arrived, you could smell the rubber, you could smell like, wow, they're cool looking, shoes, all different sizes. And we traveled and like, man, by the time our team, and we traveled up the mountains, it took days to get there. When we finally got there, the kids from the village came out and we had shoes for them. And they said, come because there's shoes for every child in this village. And they lined up and, started giving out these shoes and a few moments later, some of these little kids come back and they're saying something in Spanish about, can I exchange mine? And then the line continued to grow. All these kids wanted to exchange their shoes. Somehow, some way, when it came to quality control, and I'll take the blame for it, none of us checked check the shoes, but they were all left-footed shoes. They weren't a pair. They were not a pair. They were not a match. So we're giving all these kids the left foot and their matching left shoes. That's not a good thing, Lord Jesus, for that kid that didn't return that pair. Lord, heal those feet, Lord, in Jesus' name. The point is this. Sometimes we try to help people, but we give them things that they don't need. The most effective way of blessing somebody is to actually meet their felt needs. Sometimes it's not them being in physical church necessarily, but you bringing church to them through a kind act, through some help, through some encouragement. What is it that they need? learn what their need is and provide that rather than giving them all these different spiritual thoughts and truths and whatnot. You might be saying something that is true, but it may not be relevant to them right then and there. Matthew 5, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. The Bible says that we're called to be salt in the world, but there's a lot of Christians that are only salty in this world. Check the attitude at the door and just bring the love of God. That's what people need. They don't need your theology. They don't need your position on whatever. They just need the love of God. Come on, somebody, can I get a loud amen? Let me know in the chat box right there. We got a bunch of different people saying, a lot of love to Josh. Josh and Christine, what's going on? Who are the best care group leaders out there? Nicole, you shouldn't be typing because you're driving right now. Don't be doing that. Come on, somebody. Unless Beth was driving, then that's all good. Huh? When you love intentionally, When you're intentionally bold, people will start coming to your life. And then that's when they'll start asking questions. Erica, when, when, before we came and planted our church, she was part of a traveling soccer team. She was phenomenal, scored some great goals, was a great goalkeeper. She was killing it. That was so proud. My Brazilian Mila, Hey, Brazilian soccer anointing. She was just destroying it. And we would travel from place to place tournament to, to tournament. And we began to connect with her friends and their families. And I don't think any of their families were Christians. So they would talk like the world. They would do whatever the world would do. But I remember like, man, I've been, I was just convicted because I had been in church and the whole church scene for so long that I, sometimes I didn't know how to like act around these people who were unchurched and they would say certain things and you're like, (laughs) should I be laughing right now? I feel convicted. Maybe I should just be very spiritual right now. And I was kind of feeling out of place. And then I remember the Holy Spirit one day at one of our events says, just be you, relax. Try to stop trying to be the example. Listen, here's the deal. Oftentimes we, we're, we should live a way that honors God, but I want you to understand this principle. We're here. We live a life that honors God and we should never diminish or water down our convictions or values, but you can still hang out with others ha- who have different convictions without being weird. You don't have to be weird. Be you, but just be, be wise, be smart and don't, don't try to be all spiritual and religious and they're going to notice you, but not for the right reasons. And listen, we hold Christians to a biblical standard. Why? Because they've made a commitment to follow Jesus, but you can't hold the world to a different set of standards that they're not accustomed to. They've never signed up for that quite yet. So you can't judge them and you shouldn't judge them. Now, as far as the body of Christ, we are a brother's keeper. We're here to help each other out. When you say yes to this journey, you're like, man, we got you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to challenge you because we love you. But in the world, show them love. Don't water down the goodness of God. Just be you. Just be Jesus with some skin on. Come on, somebody. Amen. Here's another quality as we keep on going. Quality number eight in this 10 quality journey that we're exploring. A disciple engages in biblical community. Now, I've just been talking about hanging out with people that are not part of church. And now we're going to talk about, but then you also have to be a part of a biblical community. It's not one or the other, either or, but it's a both and. And you can actually be be a part of both. Matter of fact, if you're never part of a community of faith, you're going to begin to lose some of that grace that you that you need to have in order to work with those who don't know Jesus yet. So you need to be hanging out with people of the presence. I love this. There's two two kinds of families in life. There's the natural family, but then there's also the spiritual family. In many cases, the spiritual family is much more healthy than perhaps your natural family. Different different ones of us have different stories. I'm thankful for my family. I'm like, praise God for my dad and mom. Dad, if you're watching, mom, love you. Those are being so overseas. Love y'all. I'm blessed. I'm thankful for my family. It's like, man, God's, God's been good to me that way. But in many cases, if not most cases, most, most spiritual growth happens in the spiritual family context rather than the natural family context. So praise God for Church. Praise God that God's brought you to watch this online right now or maybe later on demand. Praise God that you're hearing the, hearing the word of God. There is a family for you. The Bible says that God places the solitary in family. We're not called to do this journey of life alone. But God is the one that places us in family, and there's room for you here at our family. Now we got some issues. You girls came from Portland Bible College and they're a phenomenal church, man of house church. Woo woo, Pastor Mark. Love them. Our church, I love our church too, but man, we got, we got some dysfunctions around here too, though. But it's a work in progress. We're learning. We're growing. Why? Because there's people here. In regards to what church you're, you're part of or where you've come from, every church, every family has its, quote, issues. But by God's grace, we're not making excuses. We want to grow. That's one of our values. We want to grow. We're, we're here to help people become fully alive in Jesus, and it includes all of us. When we study scripture and we begin to learn about, what about the first church? What is the example, some of the models that we could uh, learn from? Acts chapter 2. This is when the church kind of exploded. Peter gets up. This is Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit fell upon these people that were praying in this prayer meeting. He gets bold, man. The anointing of God falls upon him. And he gets up and he starts preaching to the people in the marketplace. It's a big festival, big uh, holiday People from around the world had come back to Jerusalem. There are thousands of Jews hanging out and he starts preaching boldly. Kind of like the dude at Marcus Street. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey! And he starts preaching, but he's preaching with a different heart. He's speaking truth and he's being very deliberate in what he's saying. And it says that they listen intently and it says that his words, they pierce their hearts to the point where they would say, what do we got to do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. So he preaches this word and, Acts 2 then 41, you've got this large crowd. They have just heard this message. It says this those who believe what Peter said, they were baptized and added to the church that day. They didn't go through a six week membership uh, process, they didn't go through six months of being going through next steps and growth tracking until they could finally make it into church. No, God added these sinners into the church immediately. There's a place at the table, even for people that still have a past. Come on, somebody. You come with your issues. God brings healing from your past, and he gives you hope for your future. So it's that 3,000 that were added that day. All the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. Come on, somebody, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. This was the beginning of the early church. And these are some disciplines and characteristics of a Of a healthy church and i love these four disciplines they love the teachings they were growing they're hungry to learn more they love to hang out the word fellowship is not used in our culture very much but that means kicking it together they like to hang out in our day with COVID, we're kicking it through care groups perhaps right they like food that's biblical you all that's why when things open up some more we're going to have more food together come on and they pray together these are disciplines of a healthy church we got to pray together. We got to break bread together. We got to continue to learn. Do what you got to do. But look, look at what it continues to say in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, Everyone around was in awe. All those, uh, all those wonders and signs that were done through the apostles and all the believers, they lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. Verse 46, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general, I love this, in, in the message it says this, people in general, they liked what they saw. Meaning even the world, what the, the world was observing, like, that's cool. That's pretty dope that they do that. Those people are pretty passionate. I don't fully understand what they're talking about, but it, it sounds like they're, they're getting along. That's, that's a cool thing. Every day, their number grew as God added those who were being saved. I love that picture for all of us. We need community. We need to be a part of something that is bigger than just us. One of the greatest challenges that churches in America face is people that, they they attend perhaps on Sundays, and the average Christian attends church 1.8 times a month. So if there's four Sundays a month... The average Christian, this is pre-COVID because now there's online access, which helps. But pre-COVID, the average Christian would attend less than twice a month. Wow. And we're family. We are family. What's your name again? Haven't seen you in like six months. I've been here like three times, Pastor. We're family. We are? Like that's trippy. Like you attend, but are we family? And here's the greatest challenge. Pastors and leaders can't seem to get churches to join small groups. So people will come in this busy world that we live in. People will come and they'll do their church thing on Sundays. We got kids, we got pressures, we got this, that, or whatever. They feel like they've clocked in. They've checked off the box, but very few churches actually have more than 15% of their congregation connected in small groups. The example here is that they met not just on Sundays, but they met daily, daily at the temple and in homes. That's like incredible commitment right there how do they do that i don't know but they met daily now it's a struggle just to get people to show up once or twice a month to church small groups that's for those new people (laughs) but here's the good news for what god's been doing through COVID. COVID has kind of shook things up we had no no choice but to meet through small groups everything has been digital for like a year did you know that this sunday right now it's one year since we were fully sheltered in place and my family and I, were in front of our little uh, uh, fireplace and David was playing the guitar like, hey, welcome City Life Church to our service. That was one year ago today or this Sunday. Crazy. But COVID has caused us to have to think outside of the box. It's, it's provoked us to look at life and our rhythms and our routines differently. The great news that I have for you, this last term of small groups, we've had the largest number of people at City Life join small groups ever in the history of our church. Phenomenal. I don't know the exact numbers, but I would guess and speculate that close to 70% of our church, seven zero, 70% of our church is committed to these care groups and they're crushing it. These care group leaders are phenomenal. They, they didn't have the time to be indoctrinated through Bible college and all that. Nothing against Bible college. Y'all are good. We just said, we need leaders to rise and we need you to help lead. And man, I'm so proud of all of our care group leaders. You guys are amazing. But our church, it's like, man, God used COVID what the enemy meant for evil. God has used for the good. And we are better. We are healthier now. So I'm, I'm just bragging on y'all. What happens in biblical community? Four quick thoughts and it's a wrap. Four things that happen when, you, when you're connected to a community of believers. Number one, people learn to value each other. All of a sudden you start appreciating the other person who may, may be a little different than you. Maybe they have different political persuasions. Maybe they root for the wrong sports team. Maybe, maybe, maybe they just talk a certain way that just kind of gets under your skin. But you begin to recognize, you know what? That person was created in the image of God as well. Therefore, I must show them respect and dignity. Why? Even though we see things from a different angle, different perspective, they too are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And if they see through a different colored lenses, so be it. I can still grow in love towards them. People learn to value one another in community. Number two, people learn to be authentic. In church, it's quick talk, man. It's like hallway conversation. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Some people lie. You come to church and you're lying. (laughs) You're walking by. How's it going, brother? Great, but it's not great. Your life sucks right now, but trying to be polite and courteous. You're like, it's great, but you're lying. But in the context of a small group where there is safety and you begin to earn trust, and slowly, as you're doing this thing called life together, through good moments and through difficult moments, as you begin to kind of like bring down the walls, all of a sudden you begin to become a little more authentic, a little more real. And you might even say, man, I love Pastor John John. I definitely love Pastor Keys. I don't know about Pastor David. I'm still questioning him. <laughs> Pastor Lane is amazing. Pastor Lamia. But you might be saying, I, I've been questioning my faith. I want to believe, but sometimes I just don't understand. And sometimes I question, is this a sick joke somehow? Have I been sucked into something that is just like some crazy conspiracy theory? Because it's a crazy world, and all of a sudden, in the context of a small group, you can be real. And someone's like, "You know what? Sometimes I have some of those thoughts as well." Pastor David is a little weird. (laughs) I just kidding, (laughs) just messing with you. And all of a sudden, through that interaction and trust, all of a sudden you start growing together in community. It's amazing. Number three, people uh, when you're part of a biblical community, people they learn to become accountable. We live in America where we like to do things our own way and we don't want to be held accountable. Even spouses, they don't want their spouse to hold them accountable, but we need each other. Why? Because we all have blind spots. The pastor or the pastoral team, we can't see your blind spots. We don't live with you. We can only do life with a certain number of people, but you need people that will lovingly just call you out on some stuff, say, man, some of your thinking is a little toxic. I want to challenge you. Don't think this way. Don't allow these things, things to influence your mind. They hold you accountable for what you said or what you haven't said. And in a loving way, the Bible says the iron sharpens iron. Through a community of faith, you can actually grow and you're protected. Man, I wish someone would call me out if I was going down the wrong path. If they love me enough, call me out. Don't try to be so sensitive in, in this council culture right now. I got to be real careful how I say this. But you know what? We got we're, we're sometimes we are so consumed with, with not offending people that we actually allow them to derail themselves. And we're allowing them to go off the cliff and destroy their lives, destroy their marriages, destroy their homes, destroy their families. Why? Because we're afraid to say something that might might be offensive. Listen, it's filled out of love. If you love your brother, if you love your sister, you will call them out. Remember, I didn't didn't say call out the world on their sins. I'm talking about your brothers and sisters. They've given you permission to speak into their lives. In a community of faith, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be checks and balances. It's just more safe that way. Come on, somebody. Amens on 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 the chat right there. Say that. Someone's saying, go ahead, preacher. God squad watching. What's up, God squad? Go ahead. Let us know that you're with us. Finally, the fourth point would be this. What happens in biblical community? People learn to truly care for one another. It's not lip service. You actually genuinely care for others. I see you, Rayma, watching right now. Ben and Rayma, what's going on? I'm reading these different comments. Ben and Rayma, they actually came to our service in person the Sunday before we were going into shelter in place. The Sunday before, and I remember to my left, I saw Ben worshiping his heart out. He's a worshiper, man, crying out to God. And then the following Sunday, bam, things shut down. Recently, I was just talking to them and they're like, yeah, we joined one of the care groups. I'm like, who's who's care group? Scott and Amy Gast. Scott is one of our camera guys today in the auditorium. He's serving in the house of the Lord behind the scenes, but he's faithful. He and his wife are crushing it when it comes to care groups, crushing it. Why? They've got they got Cynthia in their care group. They got Felicia, who is just like the ultimate mama. Felicia, we love you. You are amazing. They've got Taylor and Ashley who moved to Sacramento, but continue to be a part of our church, even in Sac. Maybe you should check out Pastor Sean and Jenny's church. It's one of our church plants up there. They're amazing as well, but they're part of Scott and Amy's care group. And then with that, Dennis and Elizabeth, Allison, their daughter, has joined our worship team. Allison is in the building today. Dennis and Elizabeth, they came for a couple months They were just about ready to go through our next steps and make it official. Call City Life their home church when all of a sudden COVID hit. Everything was shut down. A few months later, he discovered that he had this this cancer, leukemia type of cancer. And all of a sudden, they reached out. Pastor, I don't know if you remember who we are, but we, we had started coming to the church. And like all of a sudden, we're like, we are on it. We know how to pray around here. We take this serious. I don't care if you become a member here or not, we're going to pray for you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to fast for you. We're going to believe for your breakthrough. And all of us in our church, our staff, our prayer team, our prayer ministers, we began to pray and intercede for Dennis and Elizabeth. Well, guess which group they joined? Scott and Amy's. All of a sudden, through this hell of a season that they've gone through, where he almost died just a few weeks ago, the care group around the clock was praying for him. Around the clock, believing. Around the clock, interceding. Ben and Ramah, who are brand new to church, brand new to the care group, all of us like, man... We got into the group. We had no idea who we were going to meet. But man, we feel so connected to Dennis now. We've been praying. And Ben was telling me, man, I've been praying for this guy. It's like, I feel like there's this connection. Why? Because they're part of a community of faith. Church for them is not just an attendance on Sunday morning. It's about doing life together. Church as a disciple is not just coming and checking off some box. Hey, I've done my little serve team for the month. I'm free for the next six weeks. No, church as a disciple means that, man, I'm giving of myself to help somebody else. I'm sharing my heart. I'm sharing my time. I'm sharing my prayers, my tears. Why? Because someone needs me. And that's how a disciple thinks. So if you're in this world and you think that you're too busy for community, I'm, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would encourage you and nudge you and kind of get to you a little bit more. It's not about you just surviving. It's not about you just getting through. But God wants to use you to make a difference in someone else's life. Scott, I'm so proud of you, my man. I'm proud of you and Amy. Your emails, that you sent some of those, those emails to me. Man, my heart was just, just just swelling with just gratitude and thanks to God for amazing leaders and people that care. People that genuinely care. And all of our care group leaders, you guys are rock stars. You're amazing. Why? Because I can't pastor everybody hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people. We can't walk with each one individually, but through our care groups, we can through our community. We can. And you might say, I I, I haven't gone to Bible college or seminary. What can I bring? Bring you be who God's called you to be, be the disciple that God's called you to, to become. Move away from just being a believer and a spectator. Choose to be one who loves people, who boldly points the way to Jesus, and who extravagantly is a part of a community where lives are being changed. I want to pray for us today, and hopefully this message has encouraged you and challenged you a bit. Listen, I'm, I'm here to encourage you, but I'm also here to challenge you. As your pastor, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't call you out. If this is your home church, you need to do your part to up your game and be a full-fledged disciple of Jesus. Don't just be a spectator. Allow the Holy Spirit to work whatever he needs to work in your life. Be a committed, all-in kind of a disciple. Amen, somebody? Is that an okay word? All right, let me pray a blessing over you. Thank you for tuning in so much. You guys are amazing. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. And I thank you that you're patient, God, and you're helping us grow. And God, I thank you that you take us from where we're at right now. We can't go back in time to undo a few things, but Lord, we surrender fully right now. And God, I thank you that you're the God of the process. You're the God of the journey. And you are faithful. You who began a good work in our lives. You are faithful to complete it. God, I pray that you would complete that work in our lives. Lord, I I just, I I give you thanks for each person watching right now. I give you thanks for our care group leaders. Lord, I pray that you would do that work, solidify that work in our lives in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Hey, listen, if you're brand new to church, brand new to faith, you've never given Jesus the opportunity to be the designated driver in your life. Just in the comment section right now, just let us know, hey, I want to follow Jesus and our our online team, Pastor Longman and the team. They'll help you take the next steps. God bless your church. Have an awesome week. God bless you. We'll see you next time.